hard to know how much God loves us when we get a glimpse of it when we read through. As Morgan led this morning in our Sunday school, Isaiah 53, we get a glimpse of how much God loved us. We get a glimpse of how much Jesus suffered and his love for us is evident in what he went through, what he chose to go through. Amen? We can't comprehend that. This morning, um, if we would, let's go, to, go together uh, to the Lord in prayer and ask for a blessing over the message. Bow with me. God, we love you. As we open your word, I pray, God, that you, you speak to our hearts and anoint my mouth, Lord, to, to preach what it is that, that you want to be said this morning, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. God, we praise you for everything that you've done for us. Lord God, we lift it up to you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn in your Bible to Luke, to the book of Luke, chapter 10, we'll pick up where we left off. Luke chapter 10, and let's uh, stand together out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. If you'll remember, we just kind of went through some things. Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. He comes down, and the disciples were in disarray. They, they couldn't heal this demon possessed boy and Jesus heals the boy and then later um, they have an argument of who's the greatest Um, next thing you see the disciples are trying to stop others because they're not with their group others that were doing a good work in the name of Christ they try to stop them and Jesus said don't do that whoever is not against you is for you and then they decided they wanted to call down fire on a Samaritan village and destroy all the Samaritans that would not receive Jesus and Jesus said that's not what spirit we're of And then he gave the cost of discipleship by telling them, look, the Son of Man doesn't even have a home, but I want you to follow me. And that brings us to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. If you got it, say amen. Amen. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two. Everybody say two two by two. He sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He may be seated this morning. Point number one that we've got to see is that if it's true then, it's true now, the harvest is great, plentiful, is ready, but the laborers... The workers are few. The harvest is great. The workers are few. Question, whose harvest is it? Whose harvest is it? Think about that. It says he's the Lord of the harvest. It is his harvest. Sometimes we get to thinking it's our harvest. If it is our harvest, then we do it our way, right? It's not our harvest. It's his. Well, who's the boss then? Does that go without saying? We know that he is Lord, capital L-O-R-D, all caps right there. He is the boss of the harvest, and he has commanded us to be workers in it as believers. If you're not a believer, you are part of the harvest. You're not a worker in the harvest. We want you to know him so that eventually you can become a worker in the harvest. Harvest is great, but the laborers are few. It's the Lord's. It's about his kingdom. 
He wants to save souls. And give me an amen if you think there's much work to be done. That's right, there is. We are the workers, those who acknowledge him as Lord, those who make God their boss. Isn't that interesting sometimes when people will say, well, I'm a Christian. And then you'll ask them about what God has uh, challenged them to do in their life. And they're, oh, nothing really. Well, we have a different boss, I believe, because my God, when he saved me, he gave me a purpose and he gave me a plan. It was his purpose. It was his plan. But he challenged me to do some things, to change some things, like any good boss would. I think some people... They kind of get it twisted. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. If you want to say that God is your boss, but you don't ever do anything that he asks of you, is he your boss? Isn't that by very definition wrong? Let's see if this would work. We were talking about Walmart this morning. If you work at Walmart, you go to apply there, and they, uh, they look at your application. It looks good. We're going to put you on the schedule. We're going to ask you to come in. Um, we're going to ask you to come in Monday, okay? No, that's not going to work for me. Well, maybe you should put down which days that you can work, and we're going to kind of work that out. If you've got a lenient boss that'll say that, well, I tell you what, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in when I want to, because there's some days, to be honest, I just don't feel like it. What? Oh, not only that, but there's certain things in the store that I'm not going to do. If it involves a heavy lifting something, I'm not going to do that. All right? And I can't really stand people. So if you ask me to do something that involves people, I won't do that. But I will put small things on the shelf. I'll do that. Oh, and, and uh, I, can, I can stand at the door and wave and nod as people come in. I'll, I'll do that. Are you going to get a job at Walmart? No. You could make that any place. You could make it McDonald's. Yeah, I'll, I'll come in whenever. And uh, I just don't do fryers, so I'm not going to do that. Unloading the truck, no, I'm not going to do that. But I'll tell you what I will do. Um, I'll come out and wipe down a table every now and then. I'll do what I feel comfortable with. If you cannot get a job at McDonald's or Walmart or someplace else being your own boss, then what makes you think you could tell the Lord of the universe what you're going to do and still call him your boss? So can we just get that straight? Is he your Lord? Brother Craig, God's never asked me to do anything. Have you ever picked up this? It's called the Bible. In this, it's called God's Word. We read and he tells us principles for living our life. It's never changed. But it does change us when we read it and apply it. Is he your boss? He's the Lord of the harvest. And he's asking us, he's asking us to be workers, to be laborers in this harvest. If you're not sure what to do, because there's many jobs in the harvest, right? Not everybody can be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody can serve the meals. Not everybody can stand at the back door and greet people as they come in. Not everybody can be on the security team. There are so many, not everybody can preach, not everybody can sing, not everybody can run that difficult stuff up there in the sound booth. Thankful for them. Tell you what, we've got all different kinds of jobs when it comes to the harvest. But here's my question, if you're not sure what God is wanting you to do, are you willing to do something? Something. There's many jobs in the harvest. 
If you're not sure what to do, here's a place to start. Serve. Ask what the church needs and try to step up and let God use you. We need helpers with the children on Wednesday nights. We need help serving food sometimes, supervising in the gym, helping a teacher in class, sometimes even leading a class. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I wish we could all just take a field trip on Wednesday night and go downstairs and see all of the children and see all of the youth and see what an impact it's making on them. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. It's not just children and youth. It's not just children and youth. We need members that are going to engage every age group. If somebody doesn't come to church, check on them. If somebody needs a visit, let the pastor know. Let somebody know that they need a visit. We have to work together in this harvest. Amen? I want you to think about what he's saying when he says the harvest is plentiful. That means it's ready. Picture all the work that comes. Before the harvest, before the harvest, picture clearing off that field. You ever had to do that? We had an old Ford tractor, had a tumbling hair. I remember my dad trying to just do a small patch. That was the craziest thing, him trying to till that up with that little tractor. It took a lot of work. Then discs, it was, it was pretty wild, a lot of work. Then he, I remember going out and at my job, pick up every rock, pick up every weed and all that and get it out of there. And as we planted, he put the rows in. It was beautiful. I mean, to be honest, it went from being just a patch of grass there to being a, a beautiful tilled garden. And to have everything planted in the rows, I remember this, I was young. I was probably younger than Riley. And I remember watering that. And I remember the work that went in every day. The seeds first, watering, and then this waiting. And then you'd see the, the shoots popping up out of the ground from the different kinds of plants. And then as they're in the rows, continually weeding that. And then at one point, the harvest was ready. I remember we had corn, we had okra, and I don't even want to talk about potatoes. We had potatoes. I hated the potatoes. But we had peppers, we had all kinds of stuff. And then when it came time to pick, that was the easy part. What Jesus is saying, you guys don't even understand. There's already been so much work that's done. Now it's just time to bring it in. And we get lazy on the best part. We get lazy when it comes to the harvest. Can you just picture a full cornfield out there with the ears starting to show at the top? It's already too late, in my opinion. You're not supposed to see any of that. The bugs will see that too. They'll get to it. Can you picture all the work that went into that and then it all going to waste? Now picture it's not corn. Picture it's people. When I say going to waste, it's people dying without Christ. They were ready to hear. They were ready to be brought in. They just needed somebody to take the message. Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. The greatest tragedy is a fail at harvest time. I believe there's so many that are ready to be saved here, so many ready to be baptized, trained, encouraged, and even sent out right here. They are ready. The harvest is ready. Let's not fail the Lord now. Let's not fail our boss now. It's God calling you to step up. 
Look at Luke chapter 10, 3 through 16. We're going to kind of move on here. The harvest is plentiful. Listen to what he says next. Go on your way, or go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs. Everyone say lambs. lambs. As lambs among wolves. Now say wolves. Note the contrast. I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals. And greet no one along the road, but whatever house you enter first, say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the, its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Point number two. If point number one is the harvest is great and the laborers are few, point number two is simple as this. We are sent as lambs among wolves. There's a few points I want to talk about here. The first point being this. Jesus is warning them to be careful. When he says, I'm sending you as lambs among wolves, he's saying it's not going to be easy. If he said, I sent you as wolves among sheep, as be like taking candy from a baby. That's not what he's saying. I sent you as lambs among wolves. He says, be careful. Jesus is warning them. The enemy is real, ruthless, and ready. But note what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying it's going to be dangerous, so don't go. We get that in our mind, don't we? If it's too difficult... We're not to go. He's telling them it's going to be difficult. He's telling them it's going to be dangerous. He's telling them there's going to be some moments of uncomfort. You go to somebody's house and, and they're supposed to take you in and they say, no, we don't want you here. Is that a comfortable moment? You talk about awkward. You go to a city and you're preaching the gospel and they say, we don't want you here. A city? You talk about spooky. You talk about scary having an entire city against you. He's not telling them it's going to be difficult, so don't go. He's telling them it will be difficult, but I'm sending you anyways. Be careful. He says, beware of the danger. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be careful, but then he also says, be harmless. What's more harmless than a than a lamb. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning because it says Jesus was led away like a lamb to the slaughter. Lamb can't do anything, even if it knew what was about to happen. It doesn't have any natural defense mechanism 
A lamb's defense mechanism, and we'll get to this in a second, is to stay close to the shepherd. That's it. He says, I send you as lambs among wolves. He wants us to be harmless. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus adds this. Be wise as serpents, be harmless as doves. What is this saying? Listen, I know that we're living in a culture that can be very anti-God. It can be anti-Christian. It can be anti-doing the right thing sometimes. But the goal of you not, is not to take this mentality of, well, I'm going to be a wolf back. I know they're going to attack me, so I'm going to attack back so I can increase the kingdom of God. That's not what the kingdom is about. Just like when the disciples said, hey, all of these Samaritans, they've rejected you, Jesus. Let's call fire from heaven. No, I came to save them too. That's what he's saying here. Listen, he wants us to be harmless as lambs. Though we may be harmless, we find our protection by following Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd, amen? We sang about it this morning in choir. See, it's all coming together now. Jesus says in John chapter 10, you should read it sometime. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep know me. They know my voice. And when I call them, they follow me. They won't follow somebody else's voice. Church, be very careful. He didn't say, I'm sending you as lambs among lambs. I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. And we know in other places that there are many wolves in sheep's clothing. Take everything that you hear, bring it back to the Word of God to prove that it is true, to prove that it is Him that's speaking to you. The Bible tells us, test every spirit. We are to be harmless, but the one thing that we are to do is to follow the shepherd. The lost are not an enemy to conquer. They are a flock to convert. The lost are not an enemy to conquer. They are a flock to convert. Now, there are some Christians out there with their podcast, and, they've got the, and they, get, they get people excited because they want to take a militant attitude against the lost. We're going to show them, and we're going to get in their face, and we're going to take a stand. Jesus says, yes, take a stand, but he wants you to be a lamb. He wants you to be a lamb. Why? Because that soul right there in front of you that is opposing you. Jesus died for that one too. We have to remember that. But this is tough stuff. And I think a lot of times it's not brought up, but here it is. That's the benefit of us going through and studying. Just We're not going to skip over the hard stuff. Well, Brother Craig, it'd be so much easier if I could just tell them off. Yeah, it would. He didn't call you to be a snake. He didn't call you to be a wolf. He says in Matthew, be wise as serpents. You know, it's, it's a lot of times we do need to think like the enemy would think. I've told some of my Christian brothers and sisters before, if I were Satan, I would attack this part of your life. I can't even tell you how many times I've said that. If I were Satan, I know your weakness. Here's what I'm going to do. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's, it's, it's beneficial for us to look at our lives. Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Listen, don't let Satan change you from a lamb following the shepherd into another wolf attacking the ones that Jesus wants to save. Follow the good shepherd. Be careful, be harmless, and follow. Here's the next point I want you to see. 
Let God deal with those who are against you. What did he say to do? If a house won't accept you, call down fire from heaven. Felt like that was happening yesterday. In this side lot here. That was from the other place that fire was. But no, he doesn't want us to do that. Jesus said, you know what? If you reach a town that won't accept you, you just keep moving on. If you reach a house that won't accept you, you just keep moving on. What is he saying? I will deal with them. You do as I've told you. You be a lamb. Follow me. You know, be harmless. Even if we are lambs, what are we going to do to protect ourselves anyways? An army of lambs. Let me hear your battle cry. (laughs) Doesn't strike fear in anything, does it? Those fangs. No, they don't have any fangs. Claws. They don't have any claws. What is a lamb going to do? Kill you with cuteness? No, but if a lamb stays next to the shepherd, it will be protected. Amen? Maybe you're feeling unprotected in your spiritual life, and that might be because you've strayed way out here. You not only got away from the flock, and that happens. The flock is a form of protection, too, and I want to tell you that God has placed his Christian, his believer inside the church, and it's for protection. But even more so than that, because a flock can go the wrong way too, is that you stay near the shepherd. Have you been straying? Need to come back. Be careful, be harmless, and follow. Do you need to draw near to him, the good shepherd? Are you on the verge of straying? Hear his voice, he's calling you back. Look at Luke chapter 10, 17 with me. Then the 70 returned with joy. Everyone say joy. Joy. With joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Everybody say, your name. name. That's important to note. Because sometimes doing things for the Lord, you can forget who's actually doing it. Right? God is working through you. Here it says, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, that must have been an awesome thing to see. You know that, that Jesus sees things in the unseen world that we can't even comprehend. He says, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Look at what scripture is showing us here. A, there is power in the name of Jesus. We'll say that again until y'all grab it. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Sometimes, there's been times I've needed to pray and I didn't even know what to say. All I could say was that name. Something about that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Second thing we need to realize Rejoicing followed their obedience to the voice of Christ. Brother Craig, my spiritual life has been miserable. 
Now look, there can be bad things that happen to you in your circumstances, but your spiritual life does not depend on your circumstances. If your spiritual life is miserable, that means there's been not a lot of rejoicing. There probably has been not a lot of obedience. Does that make sense? Joy doesn't matter the circumstance. Joy exists because God is good and I am his and he is mine. What does he say? Rejoice, not because the demons are subject to you. That's awesome. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It says here, there's victory over the enemy that can be seen here. Jesus saw the unseen, but there are real dangers that we must face. There are spiritual scorpions. There are spiritual serpents that we face in this life. You ever met one? Woo, don't go pointing fingers now. There are spiritual scorpions and serpents. And I want to tell you, it says in another passage in Isaiah 54, 17, you need to remember this. And I'm going to clarify it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage. Everyone say heritage. This is the heritage of the servants. Everyone say servants. The servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you is going to be able to prosper. What does that mean for it to prosper? I'm not saying that you get a pass from ever getting hurt because we're going to get hurt. But if you are a servant of the Lord, it's not going to accomplish what Satan wants to do. He cannot steal your joy. He cannot kill your soul. He cannot destroy your witness. Think about that. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and that weapon that comes against you is not going to be allowed to prosper. You're a servant of the Lord. Man. The last thing we need to see is to open our eyes and see what God is doing. Open our ears and hear what God has done. The real victory is coming because your names are written in heaven. I'm going to share this passage and then we're going to close it up here. This is at the very end there. In that hour... Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Just like our sister was talking about. Isn't that awesome? We didn't, we didn't get together and share these passages. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and hear what you hear and have not heard it. Do you know? that there are millions of Old Testament believers who would just die to be here today to hear the gospel presented, the mysteries of God that are being revealed out there, hearts and lives being changed by the Spirit of God indwelling inside people. That's something that they long to see. And here we are, and we have this word. They didn't have this, and we have it. Can we open our eyes a little bit? We open our ears a little bit and rejoice because we know that our names are written in heaven. 
Today, God has asked us, harvest is plentiful. Is he asking you to step up?